Well, I, I, I want to talk to you about um, this weekend. Did you guys watch the game around a bunch of people, or did you do nope. Or did Robbo, were you just in your kind of. I don't want to call it an old man chair, but fuck it. Do you sit in your old that's, man chair? Like with your, that's exactly it. With it is hand, an old man chair because that, that, yeah, that old man chair isn't even mine. It's my father in law's who passed away. That's um, kind of creepy, dude. Well, do you have like a hound dog or like a like an old dog that sits by your foot? My my mother in law refuses to let us to get rid of it. Like, oh, my chair I can't get rid of it. so it's in my house and it's just <laughs> there. the only time I sit in it is. Uh, for football because since I've been sitting in the last two years uh, Sean McVay kind of coincided with when the chair came here they started winning and so I kind of watched my games from that and it's the most uncomfortable old man chair on the planet <laughs> it's not even a comfortable old man chair I, I sit there and I shift and I have to I keep adjusting and my wife's like why don't you just come sit over here like on the couch where it's more comfortable and you enjoy yourself I'm like no, because I'm a creature of habit, and I need to sit in this Iron Maiden while the fucking Rams are playing, because that's kind of what I do. So I, that's why I, I sat in that damn chair for the Rams' ass kicking of the Cowboys. Joey, where you at a party with with guys who just wear hats? It's just a hat, bro. It's just, just a hat, bro. bro. No, well, he was playing I, games with with other with with well, people you know, and having to remember five minutes. With I was hoping that uh, Taron Kimmel was going to be at the party because his wife was there, and he usually comes oh, to these really? parties, but um. He was not there because his his wife was there, but he uh, he was at the game. He was at the game. He was at the game, and uh, so yeah, we um we watched it, and uh, I was yeah I was surrounded by a lot of non Ram fans that were um, very ready to make fun of me if they would have lost, and um, you know I think the first the first half I was feeling pretty good, and then it got a little close, and uh, I wish I would have been surrounded by Rams fans. Near, near um, the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, just because it's nice to kind of, you know, do the high fives with people that actually give a shit about it. You know, sure. I was isolated. I can't do. Um, I I could do other Rams fans. I can't do non Rams fans, and I certainly can't do enemy fans. I I can't. I don't want people. Or I've got to watch the game. I got to think about the game, and I don't want people in my way. So I watch at home. So. I feel like you would be a guy that paces a lot during a game. Are I you constantly just moving around? So it's, and... it's not as much pacing as it is like, uh, like um, it's almost like, a, like, like yeah, nervous energy and violent yeah. reactions. So when, I, for example, when I watch North Texas football, I have what I call my throwing hat, which whether it's a good, <laughs> whether it's a good play or a bad one, the hat's getting thrown. So if it's a first down or a touchdown, the hats get thrown. If it's a turnover, the hats getting thrown. The difference of a good and bad play, the hat either goes down violently or up violently. Like, yeah, flipping it it's up. It's like a happy throw or a downward angry throw. So th- yeah. that's kind of – I I can't I, – I, for both, uh, for myself and for others, I don't want people to be around me. I'm horrible to watch a game with. That would be a horrible – I'd be the worst person to watch a football game with. I'm talking, you know, about linebackers and, you know – Timeout usage. Yeah, nobody wants to be around that guy during a game. My wife uh, has learned as the season has gone on and these games have become more and more important, with the exception of the last two uh, regular season games, they weren't as important. But uh, I became, I, I, be, I kind of become that guy. And yeah. she knew that her best spot in the house was another, another room. room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On the computer with headphones on, not having to listen to me. Just be the biggest asshole on the block. 
I do the opposite. I go in the other room so my family doesn't have to leave the living room. They get. I'll, I know. I know what I am. Nice. I know my faults. Well, I know my flaws. What are you watching? You what like I, watching on a bedroom TV that's you yeah. know, three by nine or something? As, as far away from them as I can get for their own sanity. <laughs> I'm. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a considerate. I have guy. to do that. Yeah, I'm gonna probably go watch the game with Nick Martin. Uh, the the championship game with Nick. His wife's out of town. I'm going to a lake. Yeah. I'm leaving the city. Give my wife a break from my nonsense. I'm going to a lake. I'm gonna watch it, uh, isolated from other humans. Yeah, it's the way you do it. And Joey, you're just you're gonna to go to a Hollywood party and you're gonna watch it with Taron Killiam, right? I've been around him, but I, I actually I don't actually know him. But I would say that with the next game, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have like a thing. I'm gonna do it. Invite some friends over. Joey's got the opposite slider for me. Like the the bigger the game gets, the more people Joey needs to be around. The bigger the celebrities, he's gonna have Robert De Niro over. By the time if we, if we get to the Super sure. Bowl, the president's coming through. Bob. We call him Bob. <laughs> it's just a, it's, a, it's completely opposite. If we make the Super Bowl, I'm going to Mongolia. There's I, I don't want to be around any. I'm gonna watch it by myself on the steps, miles from other humans. Yeah. See. I get that a lot from people. Like, oh, yeah, let's watch the game, whatever. And if, if it's a game that's, I'm not super, I mean, I watch every game, but if it's not that important, uh, it's, it's okay. But if it's if it's one of these big ones where, you know, shit matters to me and we invest all this time, you know, all of us in the site and everyone who does all the stuff we do, we, we give a lot of time and I get into it and I get, I get mad and I overreact to stupid shit. If you see me on Twitter, you know this. Um, but, you know, then I rationalize a lot of things, and then I, I like to make fun of people who are even worse than I am. And I just, it's just best if I don't share these things with other people for three and a half hours once a week. It's probably best if I just live in my bubble of assholeness. It's just, I just can be in my own little world. Here, here's why people don't want me in person live during Rams games. Do you guys you guys ever seen that meme of Miguel Herrera, the old Mexican soccer coach when he he gets really excited and he explodes and he goes like Super Saiyan uh from Dragon Ball? Have you guys ever seen that meme? Oh yeah. So, when Jared yes. Goff ran for the first down, I did that and I screamed out giraffe mode. Like can you imagine me at a party? Every person would be like, "Who the fuck is this guy, man?" <laughs> That's so good. I I just yell obscenities and it's like you, you like we you with the hat, it's good and bad things. It's it's always, yeah, motherfucker, or you fucking. It's there's always the F and it's either, you know, it's one way or the other. But the F is in there. Mine get weird. Mine get creative, and I say like weird phrases. I don't I don't know why. It's it's one of the things that just comes out my mouth like. I can't even do it because it's just so honest and sincere when it happens. I'll say things like roast that chicken, like, like just random stuff. I don't know why, but that's how I express just my emotion. Or like when Samson Abukum dropped it, I said something about chopping lumber. I don't even know what I said. It was, so, I was just, it was just came out of a place in my heart that was true and meant something to me. When you're watching a game in a stadium, do you, you like fight with yourself not to be that guy live in front of other people? Absolutely. And it, it takes active effort. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. I'm getting pretty comfortable getting the whose house Rams house chant going. It took me a while to get comfortable shouting the whose house. And now it's one of my favorite things. I'd mess it up. And the Augie answers Rams house. Now that would be something if you get like the, the tag team chant going. Ooh, yeah, that would be awesome. Rams, oh. 
That would, would be beautiful. I'd totally mess it. Whose yeah. house? Houses are fortifications made for protection. <laughs> Single common dwellings. All right. Multi-family. <laughs> it matters who has the deed. <laughs> who retains rights to this property? We do. It's beautiful because we won and we're all in a good mood because of it. Uh, somewhere in here, we actually did start. I'm uh, Joe at 3K underscore. I'm joined by Rob at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. He, he's Joe, and that's Joey, and I'm Rob. And uh, Joey the Jerk at LA Rams Rams Rams. Hi, Joey. Hello, jerks. You're listening to Turf Show Radio, the official podcast of Turf Show Times, the SB Nation community that follows the Los Angeles Rams, your divisional round playoff winners. We won a playoff game. We're a good team. We are repping the West. Uh, deserve to have emotional reactions to the things going on around us. Thank you for listening, everybody. And um, if you remember last week, put the D in the B. Our boys put oh, the D in the B. We did a lot of letters. We went D's through the entire alphabet. Uh, 30 to 22 was the final score. Um, in terms of your traditional statistics, Jared Goff, not spectacular, 15 to 28 for 186. We'll get to that. No touchdowns. Sadly, he threw the ball for a touchdown. <laughs> it was not caught. No interceptions. Uh, Dak Prescott, 20 of 32, 266, uh, one touchdown, zero interceptions. He threw the ball. It was supposed to be an interception. But here's the story of the game. Ezekiel Elliott, 20 carries, 47 yards with a touchdown. Uh, Los Angeles, Todd Gurley, 16 carries for 115 and a touchdown. Meatball, 23 carries for 123 and two touchdowns. Meatballs. The sound off the disquality. Hey, 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 whoa, whoa. You're missing one rushing stat there as well. You're missing a a key rushing stat from the Rams side. 100% meatball. Giraffe mode. There was was giraffe mode. One run for 11 yards. Um, And a big, fat first down. And... A thing of and a, and a weird finish, an actual finish, a, a a finish to that run that was not um, elegant, born out of fear. Well, I would disagree. <laughs> there was an elegance to it. There was a self awareness. There was a self awareness of there was some person what he was. Cap- yeah. There was, and he knew what he was capable of, and he gave didn't himself get to, didn't get to fuck down. <laughs> Do that spin that pirouette. Have you guys seen the and Get your ass down. That's. That they uh, they put the Titanic song on oh, the I run. Have not, but that it's, sounds it's, amazing. It's great. You got to you got to check that on the Twitter. But you know, you alluded to it, Joe. But the no turnovers was a really interesting thing that happened in a playoff game. Uh, both teams no fumbles, no interceptions. Well, that was a lot. Um, so, tr- so Prescott had some interceptable balls. Jared Goff didn't throw one, did he? Unless I'm forgetting one. We did. We didn't even have a something that got close to a turnover, did we? Mm, no. no, I don't. Re- I mean, the only th- no, we did not play Justin. The only Davis, time I really so, cussed yeah. at, at Jared Goff throwing the football was after the Brandon Cooks drop. He they went back to him and to like the left back corner, missed the ball. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he held the ball, and you know he held the ball and missed him because he he took an extra hitch. And I wish he just would have threw it on time, but I don't. Maybe in oh maybe well, there was that one, there was that one that Jared Goff got hit while he was throwing. That one was dangerous. Yeah. That one True. was a that was a different series. That one was dangerous, but that wasn't on Jared Goff. Was, uh, yeah, I was like, all right, no, he was he was okay. 
Yeah, and like you said, Joey, they were they were careful with it, but it it really came down to the fact that they didn't need to get uh, aggressive with it. That we only threw the ball twenty eight times, we ran it forty eight times, fifteen completions. Um, strangely, we hit your sixty uh, right. mark for completions plus running uh, rushes from the Pete Carroll school book because we ran the ball forty eight times, thirty nine rushes between Meatball and Todd Gurley. What is they they how many jet sweeps did they use? About Three, five, four, five. Yeah, I mean that kind of came back. It kind of yeah. went away for a while, but that was a big part of confusing <laughs> the shit out of that vaunted linebacking core of uh, the Dallas Cowboys, right? I mean, we heard about we heard yeah, about those, you know, those boys coming in, and they just they they didn't know how to they did not know what the hell to do with it. I I guess I, I this is a good time as any to to bring up that point. Um, I forgot if it was in the the OC Register or the LA Times, but when they're interviewing Austin Blythe, talking about the the game after the fact and saying that they were tipped off by what Dallas was doing on the defensive line and how they're watching the tape and they knew that they, when they were doing particular stunts, that that they would have these tells about oh they would have their left hand on this knee and that, that they were able to kind of read the defense and really kind of interpret a lot of how their movement was going and that really helped them uh during the game i feel it's very interesting that they would mention that in an interview after the fact um i know you know the, they're not gonna play the dallas cowboys <laughs> no longer the season but it's still something that's i i'm surprised they just admitted that going into another game you know you if, 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 if that's a skill you have you want to keep that close to your mouth just for people yeah, who didn't but, see that that was a piece at the ringer uh by denny heifetz um, talked about quotes from Austin Blythe, who said, they're a defensive line that really likes to move a lot. We had a pretty good tell when they were going to do that. Uh, John Sullivan, the Rams center, said, they have good players, but we just felt scheme-wise we were able to. We had a lot of tips and tells on what they were going to do in front of us. Uh, usually they like to play a three technique, but if he got a little wider and looked like he was going to play the tackle, he was going to slant out, and we were going to get another movement for the other side too. If the tackle is going to come in, the tell is going to come from the other side. Uh, Heifetz asked him how, uh, asked Blythe how often the tells predicted the Cowboys play call, and he said plus ninety percent. So yeah, it, I, it's it's a combination of uh, players executing what they're supposed to and being prepared, but also the preparation itself. And you got to give the credit for that, obviously, to the coaching staff as Aaron well. Cromer. To get, yeah, exactly, Aaron Cromer. Uh, I, I guess you'd say to, to whatever Some degree. Exactly. Somewhere. The assistants and all those guys that work on all this stuff and do all that scouting to be able to make sure that they were prepared because I, I don't I don't know if this is an oversimplification. It's a simplification, but I also don't know that it's untrue. I would say the offensive line won this game, period. Mm-mm-mm. Ass whooping. Ass. I'm telling you, so there's a there's a, a podcast from the Dallas Cowboys side. I, I won't mention their name, but um I like some of his draft stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I probably shouldn't mention that to you, Joe, because I'm gonna hear nothing but grief about it. But anyways, I've liked some of his stuff in the past, and I saw he tweeted out like, "Hey, this is our Super Cowboy Rams kind of preview thing," and they did like the, they had like four or five Dallas Cowboy blogger dudes together. It's not part of Espionation or, or Bleacher Report, but they just kind of did the thing, and they all were just roundtabling it up and talking. And to a man, they were just they were so confident in how the Cowboys' defensive interior was gonna whoop ass uh on austin blythe and john sullivan and it was glorious to watch the opposite just happen because john sullivan probably played the best game he's played all year 
I don't. I don't. You, I can't you say that for a lot of game where they just dominate. Not just him. Who, who else played the best game? Because I, I feel like you could say that for Saffold, Havenstein. Havenstein. I mean, they were great. Higby blocking. Uh, you know, Gerald Everett coming down. The Everett top. had some great that, as a group in that run game. They, you can't point to one guy and go, eh. They they were awesome. They were amazing, and uh, boy, they they just. Uh, I hope the Saints are talking about snatching souls this week because those boys were motivated oh, to kick some So booty. That was the quote from Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys. He said, he's a quarterback. I don't like quarterbacks. My impression is the same. I go into every week wanting to take the quarterback's soul. You get the look in a man's eyes and see fear in his heart. That's when you know you got him. That's how I play the game, and that's how we're going to dictate the game. Uh, he did not get Jared Goff's soul. He did not dictate the game. And the Rams asked Demarcus Lawrence how they dictate, and that was that. <laughs> Rather salty, OAW, but thank you for putting that in my Good mouth Lord. for three hours. It was, it, uh, the, the, you, I said it in Slack. We dominated the first half, and you know we had the Samson Abukum drop. We had the two field goals that weren't converted for touchdowns. That game could—I mean, I granted it was twenty to seven at the half. That could have been a way worse blowout in the first half. They absolutely dominated. It could have been Patriots' ass. Yeah, yeah. They they were they. Like I think the biggest things were the two stall drives inside the inside the five right or ten. Uh, you know, you you convert those and it, it's it's not even a, a ball game at halftime and even twenty seven. We just ran out of time because it, yeah. it was field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, and then we had that that field goal that they had to rush Zerline out because we didn't have any timeouts and. We can get to that if we need to, but he, what was it, 63 or whatever that he missed? Yeah, did you, did you yeah. want to see the clip that Sosa put put out today on that Mm-mm. field goal attempt? Sosa, uh, if you guys aren't following him, follow him on Sosa. Was uh, it on Twitter? On oh. Twitter. He, on Twitter, he, so he tweets out, he, he does a lot of like game, like game film stuff, and he went back and he was just watching the OL, and he, he set out an all 22 of, of that 63-yard field goal the first guy and the fastest guy down the field, just in case it was Whitworth. caught and returned, was Andrew Whitworth. And he was yeah. out in front of everyone by 15 w. yards. I mean, he just he sprinted down to the goal line. And so, so you know, tagged him. And then Whitworth responded back on Twitter saying, you know, uh, age, age doesn't get take, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter when you, when you give full effort. It, it was just, it was really cool that, you know, Whitworth got back, but, OAW, the oldest guy on your on your team, is running harder and faster on a field goal. What do you think? What do you think he's else. saying while he's running? What do you, what, give me that! Give me, get that clapper! Go get that clapper! <laughs> I think he's talking to his imaginary horse, and he's just saying, "Giddy up! Give me a whole bowl of that!" <laughs> don't you got that proper footwell back on there, Tavon? Don't you? You better put some shoes on them feet, son. I'm gonna come down there and help you. I'm gonna give you the clap. How good is the? How good was the first meeting between Andrew Whitworth and C.J. Anderson? Like the between those two, I see, I see somebody <laughs> joining the team that like to eat. Come on in here. <laughs> Here's your spoon, damn meatball. Yeah, C.J.'s like that old pit. Like what you got cooking in this locker room, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a taste of that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I brought I brought myself a whole head of garlic for you. There, that's a, that's a prepared man. That's the kind of running back I like on my team, ready to go to work. 
Go on, get your garlic out. You got that tone of saturate? I know you do. Go ahead, son. <laughs> let's let's make ourselves. A you guys see the clip of of Doug of uh, of Peterson Eagles coach uh, talking about ice cream after every time he ends no. a meeting? Did you guys what? see that? No. I gotta find it for you. So they uh, they took they they were making fun of Sean Payton, you know, running in and and with a pile of money right, right. and the Super Bowl trophy to motivate his guys. And like a day later, someone has a clip of Peterson. Every time he ends a meeting, he's like, "All right, we got some ice cream out here for you guys. Let's break this thing down. Ice cream, ice cream." Like, there was thirty instances of, instances of him saying, "I got some ice cream for you guys after this meeting." Can you imagine Ole W and, and CJ on that team getting ice cream after practice how, every how, day? How jealous is CJ of that team? <laughs> now that's a good that's a good oh meeting. God. That's a football meeting right there. That is a professional like, franchise. Dude's pulling spoons out of their socks ready to go get to the first in line. I got I got to get me that. Does CJ Anderson always have you know what's that little wooden spoon they give you with the old ice cream cup? <laughs> CJ Anderson has like twenty yes. of those in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. The little stick, right? That likes a little like wooden stick. Yeah, it, it doesn't even have a scoop. It's it's just <laughs> flat. Just it's a just flat a flat stick. stick. You can use Look, it. Look, to- man, if we gonna if we gonna practice, I need to get my energy levels right. <laughs> <laughs> Let your boy eat. <laughs> That's not a metaphor, Zeke. I mean, I need to actually eat. Let me get a tape. Oh my god. <laughs> let me let me get some sherbet. So his tenure with the Rams is been it's very very fun. impressive. It's very fun. I know the offensive line should and is getting some credit, but uh, this two-headed monster of Todd Gurley and the Hold meatball. on, we cooking a two-headed monster? How we cooking this? We roasting it? We frying it? What we doing here? You got to show oh, baby. Spit. I love a two-headed monster. Hold on. Man, I don't need a monster. I don't care. It doesn't even have to be dead. But... but <laughs> CJ, let's put an apple in that two-headed monster's mouth. Oh Two God. apples on a spoon. apple breaks. Two-headed monster, man. That's why I joined the team. I knew y'all had your act together. Let's go. We've been doing this pod <laughs> together since end of August, and CJ is my favorite guest of the year so far. Oh my God! Thank you for joining us, CJ. Let's, let's bury that monster in the sand. Let's that's like a Hawaiian pig. That's a, <laughs> what y'all got them uh, banana leaves. Oh, that's okay. I got some right here. Hold on. I brought them in my bag. <laughs> in my he's got, lunch he's got bag. one bag with his football equipment <laughs> and one bag with his like culinary equipment. Is he one of those? <laughs> is he one of those guys that has like the Ford F one fifty out in the parking lot with the smoker in the back? He just he's always he's just got he's always yes. cooking as he's driving on the what? road. <laughs> hey, practice, come on, here. we got some, we got some burgers. We could just get going. You know, but if you really think about just the difference between him and Gurley, it's kind Great. of an amazing compliment that they have. And it's it's something where I I know Smart Money says that those those players don't have a huge future together and that probably CJ Anderson is gonna go to another team next year. But there's another part of me that just is looking at this and being Stay. like Todd Gurley isn't a guy that likes 25, 30 carries a game. He's comfortable with 50. And if you really look at the difference between Malcolm Brown and Meatball, I mean, come on. you got to take Malcolm Brown. We have the loyalty. He should be on suicide watch right now, right? Malcolm Brown, he's got to be watching his This was supposed to be be Malcolm Brown, right? Yep. Yep. But Malcolm Brown has never put numbers like the way Meatball has put up. Malcolm Brown would be getting six carries a game, not 15. 
Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. If if the the identity of the team could shift because of this acquisition, I know that sounds crazy, and it's probably very reactionary because he's only right. been with the team right. for three games. But I think there's something about it that kind of makes it feel like, oh yeah, now Jared Goff is definitely has the pressure taken off of him because they're a smash mouth team now. The way they played, I mean. They could totally play different for the for the next game and and even next season if they keep they keep him. But just that that identity of what they had in that Dallas game, I thought was something where you could be like, oh, and if you have Goff just a little more accurate, a little more aggressive, I mean, the sky's the limit with that offense. I mean, I, it was really What's exciting. What's really cool I mean, really, with the with these was, two guys is that they run different plays for him, right? You run the stretch with Gurley and you run power with with Ant with CJ. They're not running a stretch with CJ. Yeah, you're, you're you're running inside foot is the first thing that moves. You set up your power and you block the guy in front of you. They're not stretching. He's not looking for cutbacks. He's he's one foot and go. It's it's pretty damn awesome to watch how they they still run the giant the sw- the the jet motions whatever off, off of both backs, but they're not they're running different running plays. It's it's pretty damn cool. And if something's not working, all right, well something else is working. We. It's it's cool, like you said. I would like. It's, the question is: Is he earning himself a, a contract with the Rams after the season? Does it depend on if they go all the way or not, or is or, or is this like it, McVay's will is going? You know, we got this. We get to keep Gurley fresh. We don't have to wear him out. He's still going to get his. Um, it's it's interesting. You guys think he he's earning himself a contract? I think he's earning himself a bigger contract with another team. I'm just thinking specifically with the Rams. Do you think is he getting himself a Rams contract, or is or is this he's just only tw- he's only 27 years old? He's got mileage. Oh man, I I really want him to stick with the team for a couple more seasons. Man, I'm loving this. I think this is great. Girdling in the meatball. Let's make some T-shirts. Let's make we, some bad decisions. Need, it's great. We do need to get a nickname for these guys. We've had Smash and Dash. We've had Thunder and Lightning. Scurly can't be spaghetti and meatball, but we gotta get we gotta get something in there. <laughs> Why not? Scat and fat. I, I do like the idea of like fat. like Roger Saffold's agent shows up for off season negotiations, and his agent's like, uh, "My client's looking for somewhere in the year, you know, three to four years at about twelve million a year." And Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastor is like, all right, we'll get back to you. Thank you for coming in. Lamarcus Jordan comes in. Uh, my client's looking at, uh, you know, hopefully three years, about eight million a year. Uh, really likes the course of this team. Uh, thank you. We'll uh, we'll be in touch. CJ Anderson, <laughs> agent comes in. I know where this is going. My player represents my players, my players' demands come down to one word: ribs. <laughs> 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 we would like a Tony Romas to in the be state, in the uh, installed and open twenty four hours at, at the new stadium. We need, we need, we need a barbecue pit. I'm sorry. What if I need to explain myself further? Then we're done here, gentlemen. Good day, and just you walk out. Who yes. the, the pit master is going to be at the LASD because this is an important part of this contract negotiation. And do you do you cook with the cherry or the apple? I, I don't want my tub of barbecue. It's not for my ribs. It's actually for me to soak in <laughs> it. I don't care what we talk about. Beef, pork, chicken. Let's not get crazy. Hey, beggars can't be choosers, but winners can't be losers. <laughs> his, his laugh is haunting. <laughs> Do you think after the game, did Coach McVeigh go and uh, – Live it up, or did he just have his water chicken and just went to bed at nine thirty? He went to work. 
He went directly. He gave out the game balls and he went to his office. He went straight to work on on the Eagles and Saints. All right. He has two sets. Of, he has two TVs. The left eye is on the Eagles and the right eye is on the Saints, and he's just taking it in. He had to start working on having respect for his next opponent. He does have a lot of respect for the New Orleans Saints. He's got a lot of. Oh, he's got a lot of respect for players and teams. But, and but Saturday respect. night, do you think he he let it loose a little bit, or do you think it? He, no. Is he kind of like Tom Cruise where he nope. just only gets pumped up when he's at work and then nope. he just has an off switch and he just kind of just goes into a different mode, just like research mode. Did you hear the story about his visitors before the game on Saturday? No. No. Who were they? So he's, he's in, the, in his office like 20 minutes before kickoff. He's in there just doing some last minute stuff, whatever. And there's a knock at his door and he's like, who the hell is interrupting me now? And it was LeBron James and Peyton Manning wanting to wish him luck. And he's like, oh, hey, hey thanks, fellas. But he's like, who the f- Fucks. I'm in I'm in prep mode, bitch. Go away, fellas. He hey, reminds me a lot of the obsession to the process of Nick Saban. I don't know if you guys saw the um they did this segment for the college championship with Nick Saban and Debo Swinney. Were they eating I, fast food at the White House? Well, they kind of asked them something along that lines of tell us a fun story, right? And Debo Swinney got it he was like oh i'm supposed to tell a story of that humans understand <laughs> and so he's like i remember when i was a kid and i did this and these are things that humans do that are happy nick saban doesn't do that he he only knows one thing and that's the process of being a football coach right where as soon as you're done with the game you have to start the process again and so his, he was like, oh, a fun story. Well, there was a time when I was 13 playing a football game. It was third and 13, and we had exhausted our other options in the playbook. And so we were relegated to our second best play. And everybody's looking at him like, wait a second. No, 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 no. We wanted like joy or, you know, childhood nostalgia, not just football. Is there anything that you know besides football? Well, uh, sometimes I read the rule book at night by candlelight. Like that, that's what Sean McVay is on the path to be. Without a he doubt. O- he only knows the process. It's not that he's not a likable guy. It's not that he can't, he doesn't have a sense of humor. It's that the only thing he cares about is the process. And so as soon as, as the process for the wild, for the divisional playoff ends, the process for the championship begins. And that's the only thing that he knows and he cares about. There's no way that he spent any time on anything except getting ready to start that process. I don't know. I think I think that I think that Russian girlfriend does not have any. You think any- Veronica's waiting at home, like she's got you know the candlelight up and she's got everything go. She's like, all right, we won. Let's celebrate. And she's like sitting around, and then you know, cut back to her like an hour later, and she's kind of dug into some of the food, and she's looking half bored. And then you cut back an hour later, and like she's got a note saying, you know, shit's in the fridge, and she's already asleep. Because he and he maybe home that night because he slept up hot in his office. Here's what I would have loved to have heard was when she tested him early on in the relationship during the season to to be like, I wonder if he'll pay attention, and like interrupted him watching film or whatever, and he had to be like, No, put 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 all of that away. <laughs> Don't. I'm I'm not joking. This is dead serious. That's bi week. Yeah, not even bi-week. Bi-week's an extra week to get ready. That's an extra week you get to get ready. 
February fourth, we'll celebrate Joe's sister. That's it. There, I guarantee there was a talk. I think it was in their introductions. I think it would be like, "It's nice to meet you. My name's Sean McVeigh. I'll see you in February." I'm trying to watch a football tape. This is over. (laughs) Yeah, there's zero chance that that they didn't have some kind of talk like that early, early, early on. Uh, the defense, the the Rams' run defense, which many like Booger McFarlane was really worried about, oh, and, Booger. and uh, Booger. it was going to be all about Ezekiel Elliott taking advantage of our run D, especially with Sue kind of not having a great season, and he comes out the best game of his Rams career, plays the best game of his career as a Ram, and there's other guys too. First I play mean, of the game, right? You know, my, Michael Brockers and and. Uh, a, a man referred to as Aaron Donald. They were also in the field as well. Corey and Littleton played outstanding. Of, he played very. He well. had a lot of tackles. I think Corey Littleton was 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 very loud. And uh, the secondary was a different uh, ball of wax. But uh, the, the the defensive line. I mean, that was what we've been uh, hyped for. We've we've been prepping for that. We thought we were going to get this all season, and it feels like. First playoff game, this is the promise of the offseason with this defensive line and, and, and what Sue is doing to to just really kind of plug that um, that hole. And just it, it felt dominant. It felt great. Well, Joe, Joey, they added so many pieces. It, it took 18 weeks for that thing to come together. But that's not a bad thing. Time. I get that's, it. That's okay. Do you guys buy into the sort of bulletin board material where they were getting disrespected, they were fired up, they were inspired to play because they really felt like too many people were talking about the Cowboys well, and they came with a chip on their shoulder? Do you think that the the just the, the good play was was less about a uh, scheme and skill and, and execution and a little bit more about emotion and and uh Anger. Uh, I'll take a little from column A, a little from column B. I mean, the team, they they were vocal about the fact that they were not ignorant of what was said midweek. Um, and, and, I mean, this, the, the game plan obviously worked wonders, and they were prepared. And you, you look at the way the Chargers played against the Patriots in that first half, and what, those three keys that I had for the game, the third one was being ready for the moment. They were ready for the moment. And whether that was because they were prepared by the coaching staff or whether that was because the Cowboys said some things that maybe they didn't need to say, uh, I'll, take, uh, I'll take a little of both. Do you know what else helped that, that defense rise to the top? Scott Lenahan. He did it not just, have a great game. He just seemed, all right, this is what we do. We're going to run it straight ahead. And we're just, we're, I mean, that fourth and one play, who thought they were going to do anything but try to smash it up and, and just, I, I, I don't know. In a game where it would, it would have made more sense if they had, that point, if they had established, action? well, that's the thing. If they had established that they were dominating the point of attack. If they doing what the Rams did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have made more sense, but they were losing that battle. And, and, and to, to lean, to lean into that when you're losing that battle Probably not the smartest call, mm. but that's – I mean, look, if, if, if for anybody that hasn't paid attention, for Rams fans, to what's going on with the Cowboys between Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan over the last 48 hours, I think there's a, there's a saga there that I'm glad we don't have to live on our side of things. It's the same thing that happened up here last week with Pete Carroll and, and Shoddy. Yeah. Yay. Well, that's what happens when, you know, when, you, when you lose in the playoffs. You get, you get a lot of uh, 
a lot of turmoil with the coaching there, staff. There that, seems, but that seems to happen when you lose, and we didn't lose. Um, last last point about this game, boys: the crowd. We heard we heard a lot. Of, we heard a lot from a national media and ninety percent. Cowboy Cowboys media uh, about how the Cowboys were going to outnumber the Cowboys fans were going to outnumber Rams fans, oh, and that this was going to be this was going to be a home game for the Cowboys. Ram, look, it, there were there were a bunch of Ram, uh, Cowboys fans, but Robbo, we were there last year for the Falcons. Joey, mm-hmm. you were there for the Falcons game. It was seventy thirty last year. By all accounts, it was seventy thirty this year. I I don't I don't I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we saw the vivid seats projection beforehand, and that's obviously their job is to sell tickets and to get a, to get a sense of the market. I I did a radio hit before the game talking about the idea that there's always going to be, especially in the postseason, opposition fans because you you get a chance to go to L.A. in January and February, and ninety percent of the country would rather be in L.A. than where they are in January and February. But on top of that, it's a destination vacation, right? No no offense to you know, New England fans, is anybody really hoping, oh, I've waited all my life to go to Kansas City in January. Right. I've been right. waiting to take my family there to go to the, what do they, what is the museum? The National like Bowl a barbecue Hall sauce. Museum. <laughs> oh, oh the, hold on, man. You talking about, oh, shit, I joined the wrong team. Let's go, Chiefs. <laughs> CJ, come here. I'm not. I mean, I'm, not trying, I'm, see that. I'm not trying to attend the National Barbecue Hall of Fame. I'm trying to make it first ballot. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Raiders are going to see that same thing with as far as like destination. Everyone's going to go watch their team play in Vegas. Right. I I I think I think that they have the advantage though of having such a national fan base that I don't think you're going to get the scrutiny that the Rams get because yeah. people know that Raider fans are everywhere. So I don't think people are going to be like tis- tisking if there's a lot of Cowboy fans oh, at a Raiders Cowboy so game. T- tisking. I like that. Well done, Joey. Tisk tisk. <laughs> but if, if you look at, uh, I need to give Joe at, a, a buzzer, a dump you know, button. Like, uh, <laughs> How the, how the big teams play on the on the East Coast is uh, th- they travel, you know, that they go that they go across. And I think you know people just are, are confused when they think about the West Coast because um, you know you have to tr- you don't have to travel so far to get to LA. I mean, if if if, if you're Dallas, I mean, you have to you have to make a flight, but that's that's what they do because it's going to be fun. You're going to spend the weekend in Hollywood and go go ride that double decker bus that you can go see stars homes and stuff it's um i mean i don't know how many rams fans would have made that trip by the way that, that, was, the, that was the worst sales pitch for la ever <laughs> of all the, <laughs> the, things, of all the things you could offer the double decker bus and the stars homes nope oh, never mind if, if, if you want a list of things to do that are fun yeah cool but a random just rando from dallas never rando been to dallas, la i guarantee you I, they went to the hollywood walk of fame they had himself an in and out yep. burger ate half of it threw it in the trash and said whataburger is better and then they went uh-huh. find themselves a six pack of, of Bud Light and and watched reruns of The Price Is Right. Fair transition. Now that the divisional playoffs was awesome, uh, offensive line dominated. Gurley and Meatball were great. The game was great. Great time. LA looked great. great. We, everything great. was great. great. Um, great. Weirdest transition in a single word ever. Gumbo. Uh, Marcus Peters said it. That's going to be Twice. the center of Three the narrative. Times. He tweeted it and deleted it. I, I don't know what was Twice. going on there. 
CJ Anderson wants to eat it. This is what's going on. Uh, New Orleans Saints NFC Championship. Um, what 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 do you guys think? What is what, when you think about this game? What do you care about? What do you think about? What are you worried about? What's the first thing that kind of comes to mind? What do I care about? Fuck you, Sean Payton. I want to put the you D and the B. Why do you hate? I him? hate him. I hate him. Dude. Hate him. He just always he's such an arrogant prick. Uh, if I was a Saints fan, I would love Sean Payton. I'm not a Rams fan, so fuck you, Sean Payton. I hate him. Hate him. I just, I don't like that dude. He's a dick on top of a dick. He's a, he's a, he's a double dick. Uh, but what I'm worried about is Alvin Kamara. That's who I'm seriously worried about because unlike Zeke, who seemed to run everything up the middle last week, uh, Alvin's going to bounce it outside and he's going to get matched up in the passing game on linebackers. And I'm worried about him putting his D and RB. Uh, that's the guy I'm worried about, Alvin Kamara. That guy, he's special. He is. He's freaky good. He's Marshall Falk like ask. I believe just, I don't, he's a matchup motherfucker. I don't know if this was Joey or Robbo. I'm guessing it was Rob that put this on the run sheet. This was what the note that we had for people listening. This was the note. No, this that we is had for this the, is all Joey. Well done, Joey. Sean Payton's hobby is finding normal things that people do, and then he does them like a dick. Sean rides a bike like a dick. He makes coffee like a dick. Sean takes a selfie like a dick. The joke is he's not doing anything different. It's just that he's doing it and makes it dick like. I don't. That is perfect. <laughs> it's not even that I disagree. I don't even know what that means, Joey. What is? It? How does one make coffee like a dick? Because he purses his lips. Oh God! In a certain way. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, anytime you look at him, he has this expression on his face, like he just had. He's got Zoolander face. Talk. Exactly. He's pulling out, out Magnum every time. Mm. Yeah, Fuck and I just kind of feel like he constantly, I think every interaction he has with a person, when he walks away, dick. that other person goes, man, that guy's a dick. That guy's a dick. Just all the time. Sean Payton <laughs> is the spouse of someone you work with. You meet him at a party and you're like, the fuck? Fuck that. I'm never going to a party where that guy's at again. He's a dick. We are not. We are not hanging out with with the Paytons ever again. He's a dick. But honey, you know she's my best friend. I don't care. I'm not going. He's a dick. Not doing it. Uh, Sean Payton. He cannot lose enough football games for me to be happy to watch him. I hate him. I hate him. I had to let y'all vent because I I don't share the hatred. I I'm just indifferent. I don't get it. I I don't care about him. He's like other people, I was going to name names, but I won't name names, Rob. Uh, people I don't care about. Yeah, there's a note here. Outside of the NFC West, is there a more hated team for the Rams than the Saints? Yes, there is an obvious one that is still in the playoffs that I guarantee Rams fans. not even close. Wait, if anybody hates the Saints more than the Patriots and is a Rams fan, you're 12 years old. There's no way, <laughs> no way that you hate the well, Saints more than the Pats. That might not be true for L.A. people because when they yeah, left, a lot of them divorced yeah. it and they didn't care, right? But if you've been following, like you said, you've been following this team for the last 20 years, fuck you, Tom Baton. To, uh, yeah, Tom Baton. You're, 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 you're so obsessed Tom Baton. Baton. <laughs> 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 you call them Tom Payton. This is the Avengers. You merge Tom Brady and Sean Payton into a single supervillain. All right. So now you need to take down New Orleans 
Come on, this is why you don't watch superhero <laughs> movies. This is your life. <laughs> so good. Yeah, totally. Um, oh you're right. I think I think it's definitely I think it's definitely the Pats. I mean, you've seen people talking about their dream rematch of the, in the Super Bowl is we could end the we could end the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era by beating him in the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't know that that's. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. That I've seen you've seen that tweet. Oh, you've seen that talk, right? They get, yeah, the Shaquille O'Neal cat wiggle gif. Oh man. When you yeah. start talking yeah. about beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl, oh. the way that CJ Anderson feels about a, a hot plate of rice and beans, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing will get Rams fans <clears throat> going like that game. The rest of the nation wants to see LA, Kansas City. I guarantee you, anyone who's been a Rams fan for more than 10 years wants to see that You game. know what's weird is we talked about vengeance all season, and I was like, I don't care. I, I, I made fun of you. Oh, Robbo, you like vengeance. You start talking about the Patriots, and I'm like, oh, shit. I do have unfinished. I'm like Casper, the friendly ghost. I can't leave. I have unfinished business. I have to stay. If that happens, can we get... Sean Payton. We get Sean McVay to go film their practice, their walkthrough the day before. Uh, Let's go film the walkthrough. I might do the double double dog dare you and do it. How? We, what we would need to do is enlist like a contingent of Rams fans just to go to make like a joke about it and go with like <laughs> go with like nineteen nineties camcorders and just make jokes. <laughs> I've got one. Oh, I mean, I'll go to. Lanny said, "I can stay with him. I'm, I'll fly down with my 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 uh, VHSC camcorder." Joey, what do you think about the Saints? What do you think about Tom Payton and the, the that was a joke that was that was intended? What do you think about these the Saints yeah. and the, the the matchup we got? Well, I think that their secondary is pretty strong, and it oh. used to be a weak spot for them. And I feel like they played a pretty high level and. My boy Jared Goff might be grounded did, for did yet another. Did y'all see game. the interception by Marcus Lattimore? That was that was yeah. that was the opposite yeah. of Samson Abukum. Samson Abukum had an interception gifted to him and dropped it. Marcus Lattimore made a play that I'm not sure some Rams wide receivers of years past could make. I think he's special, man. I I, I think that they really got a uh, high level player. I th- I think when his contract comes up, I think he's going to be making. Uh, I think he's going to be the, the the highest paid guy of his position. I, I feel like he's hmm. he's, I he's that good. I don't know that you're wrong. I don't know that you're wrong. Mm. But well, he's so young I, too, so that's probably true. Yeah, and I I think that they're a little banged up on the defensive line. Oh, I know sure. they had a lot of injuries in the game Sorry, against Philly. Rankins. So I don't want to see, so I guess you guys get hurt, but bummer that you happen to ruin your Achilles before you play the Rams. And Andrus Pete on the offensive line. Broken. Awesome. How would you yeah. like to have a broken hand and have to face Aaron Donald and Mr. Sue? That's a bummer. Yeah. Pete. I feel like what I'm expecting is for the Rams the same sort of um, scheme that they had against the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like they're going to be more of a smash mouth on the offensive side. And I think they're just going to be really stout against Alvin Kamara and they're going to have to make Drew Brees beat him. With uh, with the passing attack, and I think that maybe is probably uh, if the if the the Rams lose, it's going to be because uh, they they couldn't stop the passing game. But I think I think I Alvin Kamara, I don't think is going to beat them. I think, um, you know, Drew Brees and, um, you know, Mike Thomas. Yeah, 
Well, they couldn't stop it when we played them the first time. And they, what's what's interesting is that that first game, it, five of the first six possessions went for touchdowns, so they got a huge lead, and we had to play from behind, and they took their foot off the gas. But Drew Brees had four touchdowns. He was twenty-five of thirty-six, three hundred forty-six yards. Michael Thomas had that big game, twelve for two eleven, and everybody's like, "Wow, what a special game." They're coming off the same kind of thing where Michael Thomas had that. Uh, I think it was some kind of record breaking. One hundred and sixty something. Yeah, right? just most re- receiving yards in a Saints playoff history. Uh, like it's it's one of those things where I I you, you know what him. I think it comes down to is what Joey said is whether or not the Rams have the same game plan that they did last week because num- number one that could throw off time of possession where if 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 the if the Rams have that yeah. same kind of game. And if we run it right, exactly. If we run that game plan the same, or or operate, let me say that, because run obviously seems different. If we operate that game plan the same way, they're not going to have six possessions in the first half. And it makes, it it places a priority on those possessions. Remember the one that they didn't score was that uh, Ingram, that Mark Ingram fumble. Uh, Versus if we say, look, this is going to be a shootout, kind of like the Chiefs game. And we're just going to play this to the hilt from the first snap we're going to go balls out, and we're going to try to go toe-for-toe toe in a shootout. This this one might come down to the game plan in a way that the Cowboys game did, but in a more conventional, almost predictable. Yeah. Do, do you know one big difference between this time they're playing the Saints and the last time they played the I Saints? I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to go with, I'm hungry, baby. I ain't eating in weeks. <laughs> <laughs> What am I going to say? say there's no Cooper Cup. I know. Oh, bitch. I was going to go with Keeb Talib. Come on. Everyone knows no Cooper Cup. Actually, yeah, I was going to go Cooper. Because if you look at the box score from that game I, I did today, they had four receivers over 70 yards in that game. All, all three of their guys went off, and then their two tight ends combined for 80 yards receiving. They, Jared Goff had a pretty good game in spite of he had a really good throwing that really interception at the at the goal line at right, right before yeah. the end of the half. Uh, he, he he played well, but Coop's not there. So could the X Factor be Jay Ray? Jay Ray! We haven't seen Jay Ray in a minute. I think no, Jay Ray you with know a couple what the X Factor is going to be, Robbo, because I don't know if you have been to New Orleans. I don't know your travel schedule, but Marcus Peters is talking about metaphorical oh. gumbo. But our man, C.J. Anderson, is going to be literally spoon feeding gumbo the whole weekend and the man's going to be full as a tick and he's just going to roll down the field just smelling like crawfish (laughs) and he is all out of fox and the man is just gonna be just reeking of just Jambalaya. Oh, he's going to smell like old bay seasoning getting it's off the plant. He's just going to be sweating, <laughs> sweating jambalaya sauce. It's going to be great. I can't think of anything that would make me happier than than the Los Angeles Rams tweeting out a video of CJ Anderson eating eating a bowl of gumbo in the locker room with Marcus Peters alongside him as they get ready. Um Okay, how concerned legitimately are are you about Marcus Peters not in this game? Not at all. I mean, or is let, it let like, me rephrase that. I'm as I'm as equally concerned as not more than yeah, exactly because he's not good. He hasn't been. Yeah, I, hmm. I mean, is he gonna is he gonna do something dumb again and get another or two 15 yard penalties? Well, for of just course being he is. So this is the thing. Is the answer 
Is he going to get in his own head with that's what I'm coming? Is he already in his own head yes, with this game? But I would go back to that with Amari Cooper. Was everybody was talking about how great Amari Cooper is and a great Marcus Peters didn't have a bad game against it. He had that he had that penalty, and I I would suggest this. I was a little bit surprised that Amari Cooper didn't get an offsetting penalty. On that, I no Without no doubt no doubt Marcus Peters deserved a penalty on that one. But I was a bit surprised Amari Cooper didn't get one too. And look what happened after the game. There's no getting around the fact. And we used to talk about this with um. Oh man, I'm getting old. Uh, Robbo, what was his name a couple of years ago that we got from the Titans? Um. Cortland Finnegan that we used to have, right? Cor- yeah, we Cor- used to have Cortland Finnegan that would get in people's heads, and that was part of his game. Part of Marcus Peters' game is to get in guys' heads, is to fuck with them, and and to and to make guys deal with the you know the the emotional side, the kind of psychological side of football, as well as the physical side, and. Well, the last time he got Michael Thomas's head, Michael Thomas went off for and, But like you said, Akeem Talib wasn't on the field, and, and Marcus Peters was playing injured. And I, I think I think there we talked about this. There's a professionalism to what he had to do, and the fact that he knew that he was not in a position to to live up there. But just, just because you're not 100, percent if the psychological side of your is part of your game, you can't abandon that. Even if even if you know you're getting roasted and. He certainly got roasted when we did. You got to play the mind games. You have to. And so, is he is he going to get a penalty? I, I would almost go as far to say he needs to in the first quarter. He he needs to get a penalty for something goofy. Oh, Michael Thomas. Yep. <laughs> Just to let him know it's going to be that. If, if we were a hockey team, yeah. He, he's the goon. He's the goon of the Rams. He's he's, he's the enforcer. He's the kind of get them all riled up. He's the version of Slapshot. He's, he's foiling up before the before in the Marcus Peters the needs to I, I work on Michael Todd. He, he needs to get out. Sure. I think, uh, yeah, he needs to play. Play. He play. He get the I got a question. If Marcus Peters starts twerking on Michael Thomas, that the crowd just joins in, that everybody in New Orleans is like, oh, shit, we go on top of five. Let's go. Brought to you by Jack Jack in the Box. Now, hey, now we're talking football, baby. Let's get let's jump a Jack. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take a three-pack of jalapeno Let me get a sourdough Jack, Jumbo Jack. I know y'all got the new ribeye sandwich. <laughs> I pay attention, baby. I read my email. Ride our big bu- ride our big bus and meet the fish from Shape of Water. <laughs> <laughs> no, you think uh, fuck the fish. An extra ten. How great would that be to go to the Universal Studios and there's a guy in the the fish costume from Shape of Water just waving his hand, w- waving at the yeah. kids.
And he just goes, he goes, $15 for a French kiss. Exactly. Honey, don't get too close to the tank. He's horny. <laughs> That's not a flipper. Watch out. <laughs> oh, shit. Let's get some oil heated up. I can fry that thing. Let's go. <laughs> we'll put some hoisin sauce on that, man. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.